Well, welcome in to the News Made Simple broadcast. This is brought to you by the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet, where you can store your Bitcoin safely and keep it off the exchanges. Please, for the love of God, get your Bitcoin off of the exchanges because they are rehypothecating that and using it and using it to their own advantage. And someday they're going to come to you and say, hey, guess what? Uh, we'll just keep it here. You're not allowed to withdraw it. So get it off, put it on a Bitbox. And also Movies Plus, uh, by the way, I'm going to tweet about this, but the, the Bitcoin content on Movies Plus is literally, we have four titles on there. And I think they make, they're in like numbers two through six of the top 10 content that's watched on the platform. So, and not all of our uh not all of our subscribers are bitcoiners you know so that's a good thing we're orange peeling people keep creating content and uh bringing it because uh orange peeling people one person at a time but welcome to the news made simple broadcast for may 19th of 2022 and this is where we say the quiet parts out loud we say the quiet out loud and i thought about this we should start a segment um we'll bring in from in the future but like the we should each have a quiet part that we want to say out loud where we're kind of sick of things that we see happening and be like hey like nobody's put like you kind of like a grind my gears type segment um, yeah. and uh and uh we could uh you know get into that where you know hey stop shilling things like ust that's what i want to say out loud um, where a lot of people were kind of saying without saying it. But anyways, so into the news. And uh, Phil, I think you wanted to start off with uh, you know, Powell getting reinstated at the Fed. Yeah, I mean, it was going to happen anyway. And I think they've done this in the past with like Greenspan, but it's really just a political political move because Powell being hawkish with Fed policies is not politically popular. And so they just wanted to like, just grandstand pushed off till the very end to make him look bad because every other government in the world is basically suffering with a strong dollar. And basically it was just kind of like a grieving attack, I think, but he was re uh, confirmed and he announced that there are no signs of stopping the hawkishness and that rates will continue to rise. And it was funny. I was just walking around on Twitter last night, there were some spaces going around and just your typical finance bros crying in their beer and saying, Oh, they're making a, mis a, a mistake. It's a policy error. Oh, uh, this is just market sentiment. And they're expecting that rates are going to, are going to keep going up. And that's why the Dow shit itself like 4% today or whatever it was. And they're just in denial. And, they are basically not used to seeing a, a bear market because arguably we haven't had one in the last 50 years, especially with the U.S. Treasury. If you look at a like 50-year chart, it's been a bull market ever since, and that's starting to change because, again, as I've said countless times on this program, the Fed is not messing around. They are serious about just creating more dollar credibility, stability, strong dollar, and it's about the between rates. them and Davos. So this is a battle. You think it's a battle between Davos and the dollar? Davos and the Fed. And yeah. the Fed comprises of the, the banks, Wall Street, and arguably the 
commercial banks in Wall Street are the ones that put Jerome Powell in place, whether it was Jamie Dimon or whoever. But you have to remember that the banking cartel in the United States of the commercial banks and the the regional Federal Reserve banks, the all 12 of them, they're all shareholders of the Fed. So they are like the stakeholder capital, but are basically they they hold the voting rights of what goes down. And what Davos wants to do is destroy that decentralized money transmission mechanism that is the Federal Reserve and replace all banking with basically top-down IMF, CBDC distributed from the central bank of that country. And the commercial banks are arguably one of the largest lobbying groups in the world, or at least in the US, and they have a lot of leverage in, I mean, a lot. They're partially responsible for the majority of infrastructure. I don't think it's mostly taxes. (laughs) I mean, arguably that's just going to Ukraine for 40 billion or whatever the latest yeah. package was. So I love how there's the, just the like banks, no discussion real quick, about the, that. the banks real quick. The banks basically don't want to give up what power they have in Davos is a direct threat to that because they are the ones allowing the corporations to have as much power as the banks do. And so a strong dollar means a strong United States economy, which means the banks are maintaining their their power and they are off the reservation of the central banking cartel in the world because what they want is MMT and America, at least American capitalism as we know it to the modern day and standard, they don't want to do that because otherwise they would be completely irrelevant and replaced. Sorry, go ahead now, Corey. No, no, I was going to say, I love just with that tax bill getting pushed through or the, you know, not the tax bill, the, the aid bill. It was just like, oh yeah, I mean, it, it couldn't have been a better double standard whenever um, everybody was saying, oh, Elon, with his $40 billion could end world yeah. hunger. And then like a week later, like the government's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we'll just push that $40 billion out. Um, it's nuts. That's but, funny. I didn't realize that same number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. Look, I guess the U.S. could, in theory, end world hunger. Oh, but that's not in their best interest. Um, yeah. So explain it for the slush fund in Ukraine to have oligarchs take advantage of like this one last stride in that you know country that has been poorly taken advantage of for decades. Like, God bless the actual citizens that, that live there. Uh, yeah. They've just been kind of like economically raped and pillaged for decades. So this is kind of like the devotion and neocons kind of like last like hoorah trying to profit what they can and they could have instead of just ended world hunger apparently according to their words yeah. and their numbers so explain to people so davos um other than a city in switzerland uh it gets thrown out there a lot and i think people might be not always just like a brief 30 second what it is so that they completely understand yeah, so the term Davos was actually coined by, <clears throat> excuse me, by Tom Luongo, friend of the show, and friend of the huh? friend of the Phil uh, Phil Gibson show. Yeah, uh, two time guest of a boy named Stu. Love to get him on uh, <clears throat> again. Maybe uh, me and Luke 
host of spaces or just have an interview and have him uh, just give us an up to date. But he coined this, I think, like five years ago when he was basically seeing that there is starting to become a bifurcation of world powers. And it's really Davos is Europe is old European money, whether it be like the Club of Rome or like Rothschild or just old family money, kind of like very much like white ethnocentric, almost racist, uh, just that kind of uh, Straussian neocon like dominance by proxy kind of mindset. You might think of it as like European or like British loyalists. Those are the kind of like sleeper cells that might be in America. And Tom argues that really Davos is comprised of the the White House. So he jokingly calls the Biden administration the O-Biden administration because they really don't have America's interest at mind. It's really just like this this whole time kind of like a just a, a European push and expansion for power as you as you have like the federalist anti-federalist from like the founding of this country so the anti-federalists were basically you know we don't want to basically copy and paste what happened in 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 Britain or Europe in general and so I think this is just another form of globalism. So you can call them Davos, globalists, neocons. It's kind of like all in the same clump. And that's that's essentially what it is. So, you know, throwing the World Economic Forum and it's Davos because that's where all these people meet. So, you know, mm-hmm. Klaus Schwab's <laughs> and, and you can also it. pretty much, you, you can also... Um, Sorry, lost my train of thought. But it's basically like old European still, money. Go ahead. It's collectivism. It's collectivism. Yeah. It's it's they want to kill national sovereignty. They want yes. to kill individualism. They want to kill freedom. And they all of the names you just spouted off all kind of play a part in it. Your World Economic Forums, your Klaus Schwab's, XYZ Corporation, like a Oh, Luke, Luke, your connection's kind of shite, mate. All of those people are just trying to implement collectivism, communism, whatever you... Yeah. Yeah, so um, Luke kind of cut out there, but essentially, I should have just said it's communism. They're commies. They're old European, old money, white collectivist commies that don't like freedom and self-sovereignty. And so they basically want to destroy the idea of nation states and destroy the idea of like nationalism and, and pride in a country. And they essentially want to cause mass depopulation and achieve their goal of having the golden billion, which just have a billion people on the planet and have the golden 1 million or the high uh, prestige the which oligarchs elite. rule over them. So basically creates a neo serfdom essentially where you'll own nothing and be happy in this great reset. I thought that the fed would be on board with them. Yeah. So that's not the case because of the reason I explained where the decentralization of the money transmission 
mechanism is threatened by Davos. So Davos wants to essentially do a Davos essentially wants to Davos essentially wants to do a reverse Bretton Woods, where after the end of World War II, everywhere around the world was decimated after the war because America kicked their ass, and they also became the strongest industrial hub. So Europe basically wants to have that happen, but have the power, money, all that come back to Europe. And so the way that they do this is embarrass the the United States economy and uh, political actions and social actions the best way they can by passing progressive, ridiculous policies and making them embarrass themselves by the way they irresponsibly pulled it out of Afghanistan and passing all of this, uh, these stimulus bills like Build Back Better, which thankfully didn't pass, but it would have front loaded like three or $4 trillion out of the $6 trillion that would have been in it. And it would have, I think, been spent over five years. But, you know, the majority of that money would have been front loaded first year and just destroy the credibility of the, the dollar. And so that's basically what, what their, their game plan is is to bring back the economic <clears throat> hub and uh, just dominance, have that stem out of Europe. But they also, at the same time, want to shoot themselves in the foot by damaging European economies. All the countries in Europe that are still a part of the European Union, they basically want to have them deficit spend and hurt the people that live there economically to the point where they bend the knee and cave and say, yes, daddy government, I want my CBDC sent to me into my central bank digital currency wallet from the IMF and just live like a serf and a slave in my pod. Uh, at the same time, they don't want to hurt themselves too much and they want to hurt, uh, they want to hurt the American economy more because it's kind of a battle. It's a race to the bottom because if they hurt the European economy too quickly, then they're going to see capital flights, which we're seeing right now, but you're going to see capital flight leave the euro and go into the, the dollar because money moves where it's treated best. So they want to kill themselves slowly and they want to kill the American economy faster because that would just send like a market signal like, oh, well, my money invest is best invested in Europe. And not America, because America is embarrassing themselves economically because the, you know, 10 years, like at 5%, like I know it's not, but that's just an example. And they're passing even more like more pink haired, uh, silly, blue haired, uh, progressive policies and like gender reassignment laws in schools. And so that's that's really silly. That's even more. Uh, out there than what the social policies are in the European Union. So just trying to enact silly things like that. They want to basically embarrass America more than 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 than, than Europe. So it is a race to the bottom. Yeah, we're pretty embarrassing right now. So I don't I don't think uh, they need to help us too too much. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, I, it's kind of yeah. them help they they all the help has been from them because you still have davos inside the u.s mm-hmm. and that is comprised of basically democrats progressives this administration and i think that's why 
you're going to see a flippening happen during midterms because the people are actually being able to vote at the local level and stand up and parents caring for their families and pulling their kids out of school and homeschool because they don't like what their kids are being forced to uh, just learn because indoctrination and you have Davos trying to basically deteriorate society from the cultural level. And you have people standing up, speaking out. If they don't pull their kids out of school, then they're trying to be louder at the you know parent-teacher uh, conference or associations and be involved on the school board. That's just one example. And then you have people probably standing up against all the small businesses that were shut down during COVID. I mean, COVID was arguably a economic attack against the Fed because if you have mandates that are being forced forcibly passed to have all these businesses closed down and hurt the economy economically. Oh, that, that was redundant mm-hmm. and negatively affect the economy in the United States. Then that would force the fed to do just, you know, helicopter mm-hmm. cash. And so again, helicopter cash is just another example of them economically embarrassing themselves and destroying their credibility. It makes and me so think of, that's uh, why that's why you have a like a bifurcation of of uh, people that are in, in power economically at the United States that want to maintain that credibility, like the banks. And then you also probably just have people with businesses like speaking out. So yeah. I think eventually, and of course, you have jurisdictional arbitrage in states like Florida who just were doing mandates for the first like two weeks or whatever and opened up and other states like Texas and people ha- having the, the New York and the Californian and just the, the, the coastal exoduses to these states. And you're basically going to have almost a grassroots uprising of people speaking out. We don't want this bullshit. And it's not just a partisan thing. Like, People that are rational that want the best for their families, be them Republican voting or Democrat voting, are really going to just vote in their best interest. And that is going to be, of course, a flippening of probably mostly rational uh, Republicans uh, now you know, taking place in, in, in seats. And I think that's that that blue and red line is going to blur if. You have like Greg DeSantis maybe run a ticket for president, but he chooses someone like Tulsi Gabbard as his running mate for VP because she has also been kind of like shunned out of Davos because, of course, she's gone to those meetings, too. But, you know, she's very anti-war and whatever economic policies that she might want to pass, she doesn't really have any any leeway as vice president. But for all the good things that she does talk about, I think you will be able to drag in a lot of people from both sides of the aisle to kind of vote that ticket. I think you're going to start seeing like a political revolution, essentially. And it's basically people standing up and saying that they don't want these Davos to back better policies anymore. And two they want to build back trash. better their own way that is in the best interest of them economically and for their families. And to just have it basically based on what this country was founded on. They should call it the rational party. Like the party sure. of people that are like, I'm just going to look at this from a rational point of view and realize that we have some differences, but you know, like we can, there's a, there's a, there's a set of things that we can agree on. And like the freedom to do what you want 
as long as it doesn't infringe on my freedoms and vice versa. Um, I think there's a large rational, uh, you know, contingent in this country, um, in the world in general, that's just like, all right, enough's enough. Like they, you know, they're already trying to roll out another, another, you know, thing to scare everybody and start locking people down. And I think people are just like, nah, like, it's fine. Like, go ahead. You can do it if you want. If you want to stay in your house, go ahead. Um, but, but I'm not, I'm not a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if this doesn't work out and we don't see that like political revolution, then hopefully it's not like a bloody civil war, but I think maybe that's when you start seeing uh, states seceding and you have the fracturing of America and we divorce ourselves from the federal government slowly but surely. But as that a, might just be a pipe dream. Yeah. As a young kid, I remember in social studies way back, God, I don't even know what grade it was. The first time I learned that states could secede. And I was like, what? Like, that's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, like, oh, you mean like if if the big, big government gets a little out of control, like, I, ah, like that's a, I, I like that idea. That's a good that's a good idea. Um, you know, uh, so. Yeah, it's, it should get back to the uh, I tried to put a to try to trap a lot of progressives with the whole Roe v. Wade thing going on um, and said something like, you know, instead of like we shouldn't have lawmakers or like judges deciding what you can do with your body. What we should do is have an, the ability to vote on a local level and decide with your voice what you get to do, which is exactly what. repealing the law and the ruling on roe v wade would do would put it down to the state level and i tried to trap people i got a couple people i think that that were like what and then i was like "Eh, see no i got you state sovereignty is still a thing under the the 10th amendment yeah and And so luke doesn't understand that though because he's from australia at a state by state level i hope that's what we see by a state by state level yeah because people are starting to i think wake up to this finally Luke, what do you think of it, uh, the the state by state level in um, what you're seeing in California? Because, you know, as I like to, there's no such thing as a red area of California, but um, Susie B. D. D. S. Our 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 dentist friend, Susie Meme Maker, uh, dentist extraordinaire, she posted a picture of the state of California, and it was like what people think they hate when they talk about California, and it was like the whole West Coast. And then it was like, well, what they really hate. And it was just like a couple dots, which is like LA, San Francisco. And that's exactly what it's like. That is exactly what it's like. And obviously as an Australian, that's why I'm in America. And I will never go back to the Australian gulag because at least in America, yes, Davos can try to attack America's sovereignty. Yes, Davos can try to kill freedom in America. But you're always going to have these red states succeed you're always going to see a texas you're always going to see a florida say yeah you know what you want to mine bitcoin come to my state i'll give you guys energy rebates i'll give you guys freedom i'll give you guys an escape from the latest scariant that the davos people are pushing forwards you can come to my state and that's what i love about america and just on that second point about california i challenge you Corey. i i I actually am in a little red spot in california called orange County and it is beautiful not a mask in sight 
not a vaccine mandate requirement inside. It's beautiful. 30 minutes drive from the Mexican border, but you're 100% right. What county uh, is it? San Francisco, LA. An Orange County. And it, well, you're in Orange County? Uh, Orange County. Oh, well, I got to. I mean, I will yeah, probably man. be Red coming State, out because, uh, I mean, you don't understand. Pre-pandemic, I was in California like every two or three months. Um, and I love it there. I love things about it. I would not like the state taxes if that's where I lived, the income tax. But um, but uh, yeah, I I, uh, I have a buddy that lives in Orange County. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, I'll, hey, I might be coming it, back out income, in the fall. Income tax. You have to pay me a visit. If they let me back into America after I go to El Salvador, I'll, I will be in California. And just on the uh, point for anyone listening in about income tax, yes, that's horrible. But demand to get paid in Bitcoin. You get paid in Bitcoin, income tax is not a worry. So you can live anywhere in the United States if you're smart about how you structure yourself. How Obviously, do you not do financial that? advice. You, you'd be very nice Thankfully, his signal's weak because this is not financial or tax advice. Yeah, this is. So this is uh, Pay me in Bitcoin, baby. Pay me in Bitcoin. This is this is Luke getting uh, audited live on uh, on air. Um, so, all right. So, yeah, let's um, couple a t- couple other topics to touch on uh, was the Bitcoin mining. And- well, hold on. Speaking of El Salvador, let's just talk about how the Davos meeting is next week, and Bukele, president of uh, El Salvador, basically had his version of Bitcoin Davos, where forty four, I think. Uh, Central banking finance people around the globe came to learn about Bitcoin, and it was basically the one of the biggest fuck yous to the IMF and Davos as a whole. So I think that's pretty important. And since Luke is on his way to El Salvador, I'm curious yeah. what his thoughts are on that, if his signal were, will uh, persist. Yeah, this Luke. will have to be my last. This will have to be my last thoughts on this one, guys. I'm about to jump on a plane, but I think it's massive. You got 44 presidents from and central bankers. From around from countries around the world, all going to El Salvador and getting orange peeled by Naive Bikeli. I was actually looking at a couple of posts and they were full on making them download the Bitcoin Beach Bitcoin wallet and they'll teach them how to send Bitcoin lightning transactions. I think that's massive. Um, I also think it's not just a couple of really small countries in uh, Africa and Latin America, there was countries everywhere, Mongolia, there's the president from Mongolia was there, Nigeria, uh, Morocco, uh, Madagascar. You had central bankers from around the world all getting orange peeled by Naive Bikeli. So I think that's massive. Um, and it's worth noting as well. They weren't just there for Bitcoin. I think this little trip has actually been planned for the past two years. It's just amazing that Naive Bikeli ended up adopting a Bitcoin standard only one year ago. Yeah, that's, that's nice to hear because I... I was very skeptical to hear that it was just about Bitcoin. And of course, when you see headlines coming from places and like Bitcoin magazine kind of running with it, like, yeah, that's the, that's the rhetoric they're going to go with. It's not incorrect, but I think it was just, I I felt like it could have been a little misleading because it's not solely just about Bitcoin. I mean, this is the first time I'm I'm hearing it might not be in the case because yeah, I, I guess now that they planned this two years in advance, but it definitely helps that El Salvador is on a quote-unquote Bitcoin standard. But also, I, I still am of the opinion that El Salvador kind of did this to you know, attract more 
capital, clean up their crime, which, you know, rightfully so. And as a smaller developing country, you are withholding to some IMF loan from the loan shark of the world, the IMF and World Bank. And there is really, it's, it's a death trap. There's no way of you really paying back that loan and servicing that debt, especially if it's not denominated in U.S. dollars, which was their reserve currency. Now they have a buy, uh, uh, buy currencyism. Wow, that was completely wrong and stupid for me to say, but you know what I mean. They use both Bitcoin and the U.S. dollar. So um, yeah, it would only make sense to adopt Bitcoin. If your IMF loans are denominated in dollars, which I am assuming that these 44 countries, I don't know if they were 44 countries or whatever, but um, yeah, I think it were representatives or it was either 44 representatives or from bankers from the 44 countries. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, odds are their IMF loans are probably denominated in dollars as well. Think about so that. It wouldn't Somebody... make sense why they would go to learn about Bitcoin and how they adopt it. Who pointed out there was, I think it was, Crypto Mags pointed out uh, that there were 44, country, 44 countries represented. Uh, Bretton Woods happened in 44, 1944. Yeah. And I think there were 44 countries involved then. Yeah, it's cool. It's just uh, maybe a little, I don't know if it's just an act coincidence or if it's like a, you know, if it was me, if I was leader of a nation of any size i would be trying to set up things that were like little middle fingers to to the um the powers that be but um i yeah. also probably get uh taken out and like you know get railroaded at an election and get destroyed but um but yeah i, I think it's interesting and um you know uh peter mccormick just put out uh his first episode of his you know Bitcoin in El Salvador, uh, you know, follow the money um, thing, which actually I think I just was emailing with him, but we're going to put it on movies plus. So you can check it out there if you. Oh, that's right. It's a it documentary. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a documentary. Yeah. And, um, and he went down there to talk about like to kind of observe what happened during um, the first, you know, like, bitcoin becoming legal tender and all that kind of stuff um and to his credit he actually was like you know what like he went back to uh to talk to bukele again to ask him some extra questions because he went and like talked to he went to like opposition rallies and stuff and he was actually people like hated him um because mm -hmm. they thought that he was like Bukele's buddy and so like the people that were calling Bukele a dictator at like yeah. these like rallies and stuff were like you know like pissed at uh, Peter so um, I'd like to know how how astroturfed those movements were and how genuine they were from the grassroots level or if they were like funded by Soros or some shit yeah yeah I would imagine I hope that's exposed in the documentary if they can I'm sure they would because there's some but it is interesting too because he was showing he went to like um he went to like the market and we we're asking people about bitcoin and like they were like i don't want it you know what i mean like just the regular people yeah. and then he went to um like a rehab facility that this guy had set up um and uh you know just seeing like the kind of like bad conditions so it's 
you know, as Bitcoiners, we tend to think like, oh, it's going to like El Salvador is this beautiful country, which it is. And it's, you know, it's all perfect, but it's, it's not, um, yeah. you know, it needs, they need a lot of help. Um, and it's not just, Hey, Bitcoin's legal tender. It's going to fix everything immediately. Yeah. That, that's really cool and ballsy of Peter to actually reveal how people actually feel about Bitcoin because like this has been my entire skepticism because I'm, I'm just sick and tired. I, maybe I don't see it as much as I did, or maybe the concept of this was just to like turn it just turned me off too much, but I'm really sick and tired of the Bitcoin moon juice boys, you know, go up forever, Laura bullshit, because it's just a marketing tactic. Nothing against Luke and his essay. I, I think he's a very, <laughs> he's a very rational, uh, he has, has a very rational approach when it comes to, to this and why ultimately everybody's like Bitcoin bullish for the long term. But I think it takes a lot out of someone like Peter to actually expose like, hey, it's not not actually like all butterflies and orange rainbows here in El Salvador. And I, I, I think that's great. It's, it's a form of actual journalism of what's going on on the ground, how people feel about it and their fears. But ultimately, we know that that's just kind of uh, a speed bump, if you will. It's a trial and error whether it be the wallet, the Shiva wallet that they put out breaking or people just not wanting Bitcoin at all because they don't understand it. These are just growing pains and Bitcoin's going to have growing pains. It's barely fucking 13 years old. So yeah, I mean, good for him. I'm stoked to, to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it um, I mean, you know, <laughs> Bitcoin is so young. We like to think that it's in this perfect position, but we, we got a lot of work to do. I personally would be totally down with floating between 29,000 and 32,000 until the next halving. Like that would be yeah. awesome. Um, that, that would be like a, a normal cyclical bear market, right? Yeah. And that, you know, so this would, this is actually the, that little thing I teased at. This would be the thing that the quiet part I want to say out loud. And I tweeted yeah. this, but um, the, Everybody celebrating buying cheap sats is a coping mechanism. And I mean that with all love to everybody, because I even celebrate buying cheap sats, but I realized it in myself. I was like, no, it's a coping mechanism because as much as we all want Bitcoin to go down in price so we can buy it cheaper or we wish we could go back in time. The reality is when Bitcoin hits $100,000, Nobody is going to be sad. Yeah. We're all going to be pretty happy. So it is a coping mechanism where you're just like, you think you're like, yes, we're going, we're riding. It's going to happen. And then it pulls back and you're like, yeah, well, I mean, I guess I can buy more cheaply. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's fun to think about because like people say, oh, the, the four year cycle is over. But I mean, if you, think about it maybe it's not because like 2017 2018 all-time high and really i wasn't really paying attention then like it was just adjacent to me but this was like pre even like libertarian minded phil and but you oh, know looking commie look, phil <laughs> i was never commie i was always like right wing yeah. leaning yeah no, which, I was joking. arguably those people can be commies 
yeah. totalitarianism's totalitarianism. But well, George Bush just said he, you know, invade a terrible person that invades Iraq. Did you see that? I'm 75. Bear with yeah. me. Yeah, bear with like, me. I Jesus mean, Christ, dude. Oh. 75 i i didn't know he was that old but time yeah. flies i guess anyway but like you i mean it's it's four or five years between each bull market and that's the same duration that you had when it hit 64 69 and granted like arguably we had like two bull markets in that same cycle because you had 64 then you have like a six month gap i don't know how many gaps in between it was but then you have like another half a year gap ish where it hit 69 but still, that was like the bull market of that cycle, right? Because it was like four exactly. years or so after the halving. And then I think I, I think it would be reasonable, not too crazy, if we actually don't see another all-time high until uh, 2024. And really, that's not that far off, if you think about it. Because we're like halfway through 2022. So we have a year and a half left. And it's just going to fucking like fly by. And then maybe you'll hit 100K or maybe like it's a slow, gradual bull market to where we get, you know, maybe we hit 70 and then it gradually grows. And then, you know, after the next happening, maybe six months later, then we see 100K or 150 or something. But I, I still think like the four year like cycle, like after the happening, I think that still holds up and it's going to continue. Like the volatility is definitely going to level things out a little bit like we're seeing in this cycle. But I still think there's going to be like some, I don't want to call it merit, but just like same similar like pattern recognition, because I think the majority of the market that is Bitcoin is still accustomed to that pattern recognition. It's going to level out and that volatility again, is going to dampen, but you're still going to see a familiar esque, four-year all-time high bull market kind of thing well here we go phil i actually disagree with you on this one controversial Boom. opinion i i Let's think the four-year cycle is dead four-year cycle is dead that article that we did reference earlier that has actually held up pretty nicely the one that i published in november 2021 i said that you're going to see shorter and sharper bear markets like mini bear markets and i think in the article i said we're not going to see bear markets bigger than 65%. And the only time you would see a correction larger than 60 to 65%, it would be like a liquidation candle, like your 2020 COVID crash. And we are yet to see an 85% correction in the price of Bitcoin because that, for me, that's what constitutes a traditional bear market in Bitcoin. We've had three 85% corrections um, in each of these subsequent three Bitcoin bear markets that we've gone through through the years. And we are yet to see 85% correction. I will happily eat crow if we go down to $10,000 a coin and we hang down there for the traditional six months that Bitcoin normally does when it forms a bottom. But we are yet to see that, my friends. So I actually think four-year cycles are dead. And I also think volatility is going to rip people's faces off when it emerges. Everybody's, everybody's having that opinion that you just kind of mentioned, Phil oh, the volatility is going to decrease into the future. I don't think so. And uh, in that article, I essentially outlaid the case of how we're going to transition to hyper-Bitcoinization and it's going to be with face-melting volatility. As you see, probably one of the largest supply squeezes and supply shocks in financial market history. And I think we're watching that right now. Coins are getting taken off the exchanges and they're going to the hands of long-term holders. And I personally think that's nation-states accumulating Bitcoin and buying the dip. But I will, uh, I'll leave you guys with that little monologue. 
I'm going to jump on the plane. Oh, man, I just um, tweeted out that you yeah. and Phil were fighting, and now you're going to go on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sorry, Luke, I still have yet to have you on my my show to talk about that thesis. I think it's really interesting. And, like, I'd, I'd be down to buy into it. I just want to hear more and, like, be able to open up that conversation. But, no, that, that should... sounds awesome. I hope, I hope that's the case. I hope we do see, like, face melting, all-time highs going to a million. But uh, time will tell. We but should no, do that, that that's now. a rad, that's a rad argument. We should do it while price is down as well, because I'm, I'm just as convicted as I was when I published that in November 2021. So I think that would be timely, uh, bullish hopium for anybody who's feeling a little bit bearish on the price of Bitcoin recently. And because there are still people focused on USD price of Bitcoin. Personally, for me, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, but there's a lot of people that might need a little bit of that uh, bullish hopium fuel. So we we should rip into that what one do you, sometime soon. So if you think it's the, sh- the short cycle, I mean, then this is basically the bottom of the short cycle. And we, in like a couple months, probably be back up near the 60K range. That's my opinion. That's my belief. Um, if we break, um, like if we go... I think an 85% correction off the 69K top would take us down to like 11 or 10K. I don't think we're going there. And that's what a lot oh, of people are expecting. Not. Yeah, I don't think we're going that far. I think we could see 20 at, at the lowest, but nothing beyond that. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I put like orders in. It was hoping on, on my part. I put some orders in to buy at like 21. And then I like after a little bit, I was like, yeah, it's not happening. It's just it'll it'll never get that low. And I don't know, man. If 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 we are gonna see like eight or nine rate hikes or whatever the hell it is, we're gonna see markets bleed and people are gonna fly to dollars and just how liquid bit that Bitcoin is, you're gonna see more dumps. So, so I think I could. don't think it's beyond the possibility of seeing like that 20k range. Yeah, I I mean the, the advice I've been having been giving out for everyone for plebs is that like right now you're in that time. So like if you joined like I did in 2020 and that's when you first bought, um, you know, maybe you were fortuitous and like me and, and got in at the right time and not at the end of 2020. I mean, even if it's still at the end of 2020, you're in good position anywhere in 2020 was a good time to get in. But yeah, you sit there and you look back and you go, man, 2018 it was only three grand of bitcoin like i should have been all over that and i think that this is where like the unit bias comes into effect because Mm -hmm. people are like i can't buy a whole bitcoin but the way that you look at a whole bitcoin now is how in four years people will look at a tenth of a bitcoin you know they'll be like i could have bought 0.1 bitcoin for three grand are you kidding me like, I'd give anything to buy 0.1 Bitcoin for three grand. Cause guess what? In four years, 0.1 Bitcoin might be worth 30 grand. So like, you got to look at it that way. You, it's all about perspective. Long um, time preference. Zoom out. That's yeah. totally right. Like, I think Corey, I think you and I got it in at the same time. Like I first like discovered Bitcoin took self custody at the end of 2019, but if you got in any time in 2019, uh, the, before the, I guess, all-time, first of all, all-time high in 2020, like, you're up. You're not yeah. negative. If you got in that, like, you know, sub 
15k <laughs> like ever since then you're not complaining you don't have anything to bitch about although so, I, th- I do think i actually might be in a couple of my portfolios like with different companies i might actually be underwater on some of them um just because i was buying i bought all the way up to 69 and i and when it dropped i kept buying worth it I just, um, yeah fuck I'm, the companies i'm long-term hodler you know i'm looking as i tell everybody money that you're not going to touch like if you're getting into it take money that you're like you know what i'm cool with putting this in my saving account savings account for four years and just put it there and walk away from it and you know when you do that i mean the real trick is is basically you're pregnant at that point you get you get pregnant with the idea of bitcoin and you just you're like okay and you like start thinking about it and then you're like you start revisiting it more because that's exactly what i did i was like i was like all right how much money can i put away but also feel like know that i'm not going to touch but then feel like the burn like if it if it drops 50 percent in price i'm like god damn it like that that was some money that i just lost um and I did that and I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And I didn't think it was going to grow to the point where I'm, you know, have a podcast and, you know, am have companies holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And um, yeah, so it just, uh, it's, in, it's, I, that's my recommendation, but like I said, it's all unit bias. And I, I think that's interesting that you could potentially manipulate the unit bias um, by, you know, just looking at it, you know, right now, Bitcoin's 30 grand and it, it, you could have bought one Bitcoin for three grand four years ago, but guess what? In four years, people are going to be saying I could have bought a 10th of a Bitcoin for three grand in 2022. And now a 10th of a Bitcoin cost me 30 grand. So just get your, get your act together. Stop sweating the small stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, uh, I guess off of my pontificating, um, we could talk about the two other little items with uh, the Bitcoin mining. Uh, China, even though they banned Bitcoin mining, uh, Zero Hedge put out an article that they are still the second largest hub for Bitcoin mining. Yeah, and I think that's just testament to they didn't really go anywhere. I mean, maybe they VPNed that they're in like Ireland or Scotland or Kazakhstan or whatever. They're underground. But yeah. I, I'm still under the impression that it's the Chinese government just trying to keep it as hush hush as possible because essentially this is like the hash, the hash wars are well, they're, they're They're in trouble right now. China's in trouble financially, aren't they? I mean, they always have been. I think that's been one of the recent I mean, uh, the reasons why they do the Belt and Road Initiative to export their inflation like the U.S. does, but act like a quasi IMF and give out loans or not even give loans, just offer protection and take resources from these other countries that are being raped by the loan shark that is the IMF and just essentially expand their their national economic empire network throughout the world. And I, I think they also want to try to 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 run away from the soft economic power that is American economic investment in China because with that it's basically just like paper money manipulating Chinese markets um, and so I think they want to embrace 
some sort of like quote unquote sovereignty is kind of weird to to uh, associate China with like a sovereign nation. But essentially, under international law, every nation should be sovereign. But of course, that, that's complete bullshit because now we're under the the thumb of of uh, rules based order. But all that aside, I I think China has always kind of been a paper tiger. But now, if they're trying to cozy up with Russia, then they're trying to ultimately establish some sort of commodity backed currency or at least russia is and russia is probably going to become dependent on some of the technology that china creates but uh aside aside from that i think this is kind of russia and china and india and other countries in the region that are basically saying this to nato fuck you nato uh to basically have their own great reset because who's actually who's who's great reset is it this is something that tom also brings up like who's great reset is this when russia is demanding pay for oil in either rubles or gold so i I, i've said this a few times but russia kind of forced the world on the gold standard or at least a ruble standard and i could see that ruble being a a reserve currency of eurasia because more and more countries in Europe, despite the great reset and economic castration that Davos wants to do in the EU, you have, as I mentioned, people like Greece and, and others not following suit. And no one really ever stopped buying oil from Russia. They just laundered it through middlemen yeah. and not bought it from Russia directly. And so Russia is still going to be like their main energy producer so it's just all hand hand waving and virtue signaling that we're going to have this green great reset so i i guess going back to, to china china is i don't think lock step with the wef and the whole devotion plan mm-hmm. so yeah they're just trying to build back better in their own kind of like game of like go instead of chess and like this long thought out strategic like century plus plan of how they're gonna operate yep yeah i agree um and then the other topic i wanted to talk about is enemies of bitcoin which there's plenty but uh ethereum and vitalik in his little tweet thread um and then also kind of uh some coinbase Coinbase dumping. I forgot that was one of the other ones I wanted to talk about. But speaking of them, this is a great time to mention get your coins off of Coinbase, get your coins off of every exchange, and get a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin Made Simple and use the promo code Bitcoin Made Simple to get 5% off and take control of your keys. You know, it'd be a really, really funny thing to see what happens if everybody keeps withdrawing their keys, their coins off of exchanges and self-custodying them because uh, I think that makes the price go up if you're not selling it. Yeah, I'd like to see that happen and see how well that works against the manipulation of of Bitcoin markets with things like uh, futures. and yeah, futures. No, I mean like futures markets, uh, like the manipulation that you see in gold and other commodities as safe haven assets are basically manipulated and arguably attacked this past week as the Fed released their announcement that nope, no shines of no, no shines, no signs of no shines. Yeah, no, no signs of, of stopping the, the hawkishness. And so I think this was probably just a 
paper market manipulation attack on those commodities like gold and silver and and uh and and um and, and bitcoin because where are you you gonna run to and i think it was just a way to scare retail away and have whether it's people on wall street or nation states accumulate because this is like their bear their self-inflicted manipulated bear market arguably maybe that they're having having uh the the privilege and in, in creating themselves so they can accumulate and scare off retail and i think like that's kind of what terra was last week is an attack on stable coins and uh just just finding ways to put in regulations that favor favor them mm-hmm. and so i i'd like to see how the not your keys not your coins ethos spreads and actually we see even more like we have seen over the past couple of years a increase in the amount of coins that are being taken off exchanges but i'd like to see how that would impact the the price and how how well that would fight back against the manipulation of futures markets it's like that whole old joke of like hey guys if we just stop selling our bitcoin i bet the price will go up so like if everybody would just not sell, watch what happens. But yeah. Um, and so uh, the enemies of Bitcoin segment, maybe we can make it a segment, but the enemies of Bitcoin, um, Vitalik coming out and tweeting. Uh, let's see. Oh, damn it. I lost the tweet. Um, yeah, this tweet thread wasn't really him as coming out as an enemy. It's revealing that he was an enemy and that maybe he was wrong. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's a better way to view to frame it. But he, you know, basically you to summarize it, he was like, I think I was wrong about a lot of these things, which is really hilarious because I think I had tweeted and said, like, hey, remember that time in Preston Pish's debate with Mark Cuban whenever Mark Cuban was like, Oh, like I'll just trust Vitalik to figure it out. Like, uh no, that's the point of decentralization is that you don't have to trust anybody to figure anything out. Um, and, uh, and it's kind of funny that the guy at the head of this is like, Hey, um, I might not have, I might not have made the best decision. Um, what was your takeaway from it, Phil? Yeah, I'm trying to pull up the the tweet thread right now, but, uh, it just sounds like in in Bitcoin, another thing that's, that sounds too good to be true. I want to know how much of it was actually from Vitalik's volition and how sincere he was. Or if it was just like a, not a non-story story, but if it was a distraction from something else. Yeah. So I'm um, always skeptical. Like, it's great. This is how he thinks. And as weird as it might sound, you know, maybe Vitalik isn't a bad guy. Maybe he's just a nerd that actually wanted to make this project and he rage quit Bitcoin because he wanted to do things his way. And, he thought he could achieve that with color coins and Jimmy song and others told him that he was an idiot. And so, you know, maybe at the end of the day, humans are still human. People are going to people, they have emotions and people are going to people. Make, I love that. Yeah. Humans are going to human. People are going to people like people are irrational and they make decisions based off of their emotion. And maybe this is him just coming to terms with this out in the open that, yeah, this whole 
when ETH2 two weeks TM sometime soon, maybe that's finally getting to them. But then I wouldn't be surprised if this is just another distraction from something else. I I am very much um I'm favor, not favorable. How do I say this? Words are hard sometimes, people. I I, I believe that Ethereum has been co-opted by the World Economic Forum. Yeah. Because that's the kind of shit they like. And they, they like stuff like Ripple. And they don't like Bitcoin because, of course, they can't control it. And it wouldn't surprise me if the people and developers of Ethereum were astroturfed by, by people like Soros or Schwab or whatever, because that's how they get their influence. They find kind of a grassroots movement based on true principles that individuals believe in. And they basically just get paid off by outside influencers. In- influencers? Yeah, in Yes, influencers. Well, honestly, outside influence, just similar to how the Bcash fork was was co-opted by by outside uh, arbitrary influence with, with money and corporate interests like Coinbase and paying off people that uh, were uh, staunch vocal Bcash advocates. You so honestly, I, I think. With Vitalik, I was just going to say with Vitalik, like, you know, basically how you're saying he was astroturfed. I see that um, because he's really smart. Don't get me wrong. In some aspects, obviously, he's stupid about Bitcoin. But also, um, I feel like I've seen this story before with like kids in high school or stuff like that, that like were really bright and um, got taken advantage of by bullies. Um and you know they gave they gave the kid things that would benefit them it would were able to manipulate them and i, I kind of get that vibe from vitalik that he he's very you know manipulatable um and you know if you if you just go in if you're the world economic forum or george soros or whatever and you go in and you're like, all right, like if I give this kid these things and just agree with his arguments, like, yeah, Bitcoin should do this, Bitcoin should do that, and just give him money and agree. Yeah, and like he was lobbied. Yeah, and and he'll fall right into it. So maybe maybe he, part of him is sitting there going, yeah, they whoops. appeal to people's emotions and ideals, and then they give them shiny toys or the carrot at the end of the stick, and people go along to, to get along until they become conscientious objectors eventually mm-hmm. yeah so, so maybe saying all that gives metallic too much credit but at the end of the day maybe he's just some nerd that had an idea for a project i think he had like very libertarian like values or at least maybe his his dad did so i heard kind of like cypherpunk ish but it's kind of funny because you bring up like smart kids in school being easily ma- manipulated but i also that made me think of you know people that are too smart for their own good Mm -hmm. And they just have their head too far up their ass and they fail to realize like the basic principles because they just think based on their logic and their past experience of of how their smarts got them where they are today. Maybe they just kind of oversaw what was obviously going on. Yeah. They pass, they pass up on the what's right in front of them because they're too, they think they're right. So exactly, they think their initial assumption is correct. Um, yeah, and um, I guess to wrap up, you know, just that uh, Coinbase was puking down 
Coinbase is worth like a tenth of what it was <laughs> at its all-time high. Um, so I don't mean to laugh about that for people that lost their money, but um, it's kind of fitting that Coinbase, Coinbase you mean coin, like the, the ticker. Yeah, like coin. the yeah. the stock. Um, I think it's kind well, of fitting I, I that think they that's themselves just, uh, are a shit coin. I think that's just a factor of people fleeing to dollars because federal rate hikes and uncertainty in the market and supply chains and people firing and i mean there was also like a downturn in uh not only netflix like netflix is firing people and then like walmart because we also had that report of like retail earnings which was like at an all-time low yeah of like negative 4.25 percent something or other i totally butchered that was not prepared to talk about this for the new segment but i i think it's just like fear and market sentiment and Again, if anything that's Bitcoin adjacent, even people are going to use that to get dollars because it's just so liquid and it did see kind of a pump and dump thing just because it was tied to Bitcoin. So people are going to flee to dollars in times of uncertainty. But you should not. You should all keep buying Bitcoin. Remember, remember, you are in that moment. You are currently in 2018. And Bitcoin is only $3,000. And you have that opportunity right now. For four, four years into the future, that's what you, you have right now. You have the opportunity. A tenth of a Bitcoin is only $3,000. Go for it. Because it's going to be a tenth of a Bitcoin will be worth $30,000 before you know it. But uh, yeah, I think it, any other topics, Phil, or you, uh, you tapped out with your news for what you can make simple this week? I hope I made it simple. <laughs> Yeah, I really did. We can make you, it, Corey. You have this this beautiful way of just like dumbing it down to like where anyone can like get. It. It's like, oh, yeah, no shit. And I always strive for that, but I think I, I get lost in in my own head, and I tend to overcomplicate things. So I try my best to not do that and say the quiet parts out loud as easily as possible. So I, I hope the listeners appreciate what I try to uh, verbally throw at them. And, you know, give us feedback, guys, um, and we will take questions. If anyone ever sends us questions via Twitter, email Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Um, anything like that, we will bring it up if it looks interesting. And even if you're, you know, asking questions about Phil's cat, he can answer them. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think oh, the feedback Corey, is, yeah. What, what was your uh, guesstimation for the Bitcoin price? Uh, I think Last it was week. lower than 30. Lower than 30? All right, I won this one because I guess 31. And yeah. while we were on air about, uh, let's see here. I don't know, like an hour ago. Or what time is it? Yeah, an hour ago it was third. 30,003. So. 30,300 or 460. I don't know. So I want this one for once. All right. So what do you think is going to happen next week? I'm up two to one. So I'm up. We got to figure out the exact number of sets. But um, but yeah, what is the what do you think? It's right now 30,100. So let's just call it an even 30. We can be above or below 30. We're just going over under 30, I think. Um It's a good question. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna guess under 30. I'm gonna go bearish on this. I'm actually gonna go over. So I'm over. I'm I I've been wrong more than I've been right more than I've been wrong so far. So but uh yeah. All right, well we'll see who owes the other one money next week. But uh again, check out the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. Go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin Made Simple. Use the promo code Bitcoin Made Simple for 5% off. And we will catch you guys next week.